Hello, my rebels. Today is something that I haven't done yet. It's my nine, I'm not going to say favorite videos of 2022, but nine videos that I think represent the year, including the best and the worst. That's ahead. But first, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. It's the video version of this broadcast. I think it's especially important today since we have such a video-focused show. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. We need that money because we don't take any money from the government. So we rely on supporters like you. All right, here's today's podcast. Thanks. Welcome to 2023. Let's start with looking at my nine favorite clips from 2022. It's January 2nd, and this is Yes with Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Welcome back. Well, it's January 2nd, so it's a statutory holiday. So we've given the staff the day off. We'll all be back at work tomorrow. Well, actually, I'm going to take a couple of days. Uh, but as you know, we like to do shows even on stat holidays. So I'm pre-recording this uh, before the break. And when I think of the news stories of 2022, there was only really one that was larger than all stories combined. And it was the trucker rebellion, the freedom convoy that not only was news in itself, but it freed so many Canadians. It broke the mindset of conformity, the false consciousness that the propaganda media tried to impart, that we all agreed to things and that only weird extremists didn't like being locked down, didn't like vaccine mandates, didn't like being banned from going going to funerals or weddings or the gym or restaurants or being able to travel. So the truckers were definitely the story of 2022. And not only were they the story and did they help free us, but they forced Justin Trudeau to reveal his true colors as a bit of a fascist imposing martial law. I think the truckers are the story of the year for 2022. And hopefully they'll inspire us into 2023. You know, I was thinking about it because here we are in 2023 and we feel free again, not totally free, but freer. For example, you still can't travel to the United States if you're not jabbed. That's a bizarre rule that, of course, uh, Joe Biden imposes. Maybe the new Congress will lift it soon. But, you know, after a blazing forest fire that torches everything in its path, very soon, green shoots begin to emerge from the black earth. I don't know if you've ever been in a forest after a forest fire, but, you know, in a matter of weeks, life starts to return. And I feel that, that that's how it is in Canada. Everything was torched. It was a civil liberties inferno, and they did such great damage to us. And though the green shoots are back and that... From the outside, life looks like it's returned to normal. I think that there is lasting damage to our civil liberties, and there's a lot of wrongs that still need to be righted. But I want to remind you of what I thought were the top stories of 2022. I've selected nine little clips here, and half of them, of course, are from the truckers. These are some of the nine most interesting videos of the year. The first is before the trucker convoy even arrived in Ottawa, we knew it was important. We knew it was a grassroots rebellion. We knew that all parties, including Aaron O'Toole's conservatives, op opposed it. But we knew it was history in the making. And we embedded journalists in the convoy, even as it was rolling towards Ottawa. Here's our first video when we were actually traveling with the trucks. <laughs> Westbound, they're waving at us all, guys. Give them a nice wave. Hey, guys, it's Spencer Bouts here. I'm from uh, Middle Lake, Saskatchewan, by Humboldt, Saskatoon area. I'm a 
I just joined up with the convoy in Saskatchewan guys there a couple days ago and we've been rolling hard, rolling strong, meeting up with lots of truckers and lots of four-wheelers here, uh, growing this convoy real big, real fast. It's, the support is unbelievable. I'm just really proud to see so many people coming together um, when our healthcare system kind of took a hit and nobody was really standing up for the healthcare workers. So it's really amazing to see everyone coming together like this. And I'm hoping that once everybody gets to Ontario, they'll see how many people are with us and they'll see that there's really not a whole lot they're going to be able to do without saying we can't take any more of this. Here in solidarity with every Canadian, with every father, every mother that had been subjugated to this tyranny because we have to start naming things the way they are. This is not about mandates and regulations. This is not about saving lives. This is about control. They are destroying lives. We are right now in front of the Supreme Court of Canada. As you can hear, the truckers are already here as expected. They were officially to be here tomorrow morning, but they have already come. I think they have caught the police and the government unprepared because the government undermined the number of protesters. Justin Trudeau said it's just a fringe minority. They have done it. They really did it. And this is not even... 1% of the truckers who have come here, this is only, this is only a couple of them. Here's a sign that reads, all that is necessary for the tribe of evil is that good men do nothing. This is right now Ottawa, Canada's capital. Trucks all across the country have come down to show their Resistance! Yes, sir. Why are you here today? We need freedom, man! Freedom? Yep! Okay, he's here for freedom! Where did you come from? Orangeville! Why are you here today? Freedom! Freedom, that's it? That's it, that's all, man. That's all we want as Canadians. Freedom.
Well, by the time the trucks arrived in Ottawa, the whole country knew it was important. And the media that were ignoring the trucker protests knew they couldn't anymore. I went there personally. Oh, my God, it was cold. I wanted to see with my own eyes because I just didn't trust the mainstream media. And I wanted to see how important a story this would be to Rebel News. And we knew it was important. I was down there in Parliament Hill and the truckers invited me to hop up on their makeshift stage to give a quick speech. I did. My speech was only a minute long. But I feel like uh, in the moment I summed up how I thought things were going. People were saying, well, what do we do? What's the point? Do we try and change the government somehow? And I said, no, you don't understand. That's not how it works. But simply just by being here and proving that you exists and that you can tell a story that is off narrative with the establishment. Well, here's my one minute speech to the truckers that where I said they already succeeded just by being there. Take a look. Truckers, even if they 
they would have cancelled that, it was still a success. Because it was a measurement of how much people cared. You have succeeded just by being here. Congratulations to the organizers, but really, it was millions of Canadians along the way in the convoy and watching today from home. Tell them what happened. Tell them what you saw, because they will not hear the truth from anyone else. I was very grateful to be given that opportunity to talk to them. It was a thrill to be amongst our people, the kind of people that the Trudeau government would call, well, what Hillary Clinton called the deplorables. The Trudeau government and their repeaters in the media called these folks racists and misogynists and transphobes and whatever else they said. But to me, that was just proof that we were on the right track. And we deployed Rebel News in a big way. You've heard me say that we had reporters like Lincoln Jane, and Alexa Lavoie work 23 days straight. We didn't ask them to. They just knew that that was their destiny. They were writing history in the making. Of course, uh, these days, by writing, I mean they were videoing it. It was all on video. And that's why people knew we were telling the truth and the media party was lying. I want to show you some video of Lincoln and Alexa literally walking around that city and showing you that it had become like an authoritarian, totalitarian regime with whimsical police at every street corner demanding to see your papers, demanding to see what hotel you were at and deciding yes or no whether you could pass or even if you'd be arrested. It truly was like you were in East Germany and some secret police were demanding your papers. This is an excerpt from a live stream of our reporters literally walking the streets and showing the world what Canada had become under Justin Trudeau. Take a look. Where are you going? Alt Hotel. Okay, you got your reservation? Uh, Alexa, do you have it? No, we are not part of the protest, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, uh, they were done by... I can't let you pass through here if you don't have reservations. Oh, I think I'm... According to this, I'm only 670 meters away from the Yeah, that's a lot more blocks though than, than, I, than what I have here. It's booked under, it's booked under our colleague's name, so we would have to, shoot at, like, we could do that ultimately, but. Dice, D-I-C-E? D-Y-K-E. Oh, D-Y-K-E? Oh, okay, sorry. 8751. 8751, thank you very much. Okay. Well, I need the reservation with the name of the person that's rented the room. Okay. And then proof that it's. They've rented it for you, right? Is, so. is there any reason for this? You know we're not demonstrators, ma'am. We're, we're, we're members of the media. Okay. Uh, I mean, if this was a CBC If you wanted reporter, to come through for the media purpose, you can get that authorization through the Ottawa City Police. They give them a call and they give you authorization to get down into the building. Oh, okay. So we're kind of like Australia now. Our colleague, Abby Yamini, always has to get a permit to uh, perform journalism down under. I can't comment. 
This is bad policing. Even if they're under orders to keep out the deplorables, you know, the protesters, they know who we are. We've shown them our media credentials. Uh, this is petty. This is vindictive. This does nothing to bolster uh, the trust of police by the public. Um, and here she comes again. So let's let's see if we can. And it's day. freezing outside. Yeah. Hey guys, you're all good to go. Thank you so much. Thanks. By the way, those checkpoints are still there. Remember, it was the Ottawa police that locked down Ottawa, not the truckers. Well, of course, there were other protests copying the Ottawa truckers in other places. The Windsor Bridge between Windsor and Detroit, the Ambassador Bridge, it was called. Very interesting. And of course, the Coots blockade between Alberta and Montana. We had two reporters who, again, detected that something was afoot. We went down there early. And we were embedded with the men in the saloon at that border town for nine days straight and more. Here's an excerpt from a documentary movie we made about the subject. So, so the message was, it's time to move. You're invited to come and move on your own. And you're invited to stand with us as well. And yes. as that takes place, it won't be taking place. The other officers that are moving into position now are going to start taking enforcement action. That's fine. So if you are of the mind that you will be placed under arrest and your truck seized, that sort of thing, I guess the next best thing is to go out there and present yourself. RCMP moved in this afternoon trying to break up the tense four-day border blockade at Coots, but it backfired, and at this hour, the standoff in southern Alberta continues. The truckers were consulting with the lawyer. Uh, I guess the uh, checkpoints that were the RCMP set up, they needed the extra guys to come here, so the checkpoints were completely open, and the entire convoy that were blocked by that checkpoint is now on the way here. So the RCMP will having to be have to deal with many, many more truckers who are on their way to support this blockage at the border.
get past this, to be honest with you. This is something I don't, well, I've certainly never seen before. They are now moving and uh, they are blocking the highway uh, just behind these trucks here. Uh, Physically, so they like they're with their bodies or are you talking, like, are they, what so are they? Right, right now, okay. they have just moved into this area here. So uh, actually the RCMP and our peers have withdrawn a bit. afternoon when a second convoy cut off the rest of the highway bypassing an RCMP checkpoint. The group says it's refusing to leave until all COVID-19 health restrictions are lifted. As you know, the worst day in our eight-year existence happened during the trucker convoy. Our dear reporter from Quebec, Alexa Lavoie, was peacefully filming a peaceful protest. So she wasn't a protester herself. She was filming it. And the protest itself was peaceful, but the police had decided to carry out Justin Trudeau's brutal will. And a police officer casually aimed a riot gun at Alexa and shot her at point-blank range. It was atrocious. We're suing the government. You can find out more about that lawsuit at standwithalexa.com. I'm showing you this video, even though it disturbs me every time I do, because we have to be disturbed. Like I say, a forest fire torched our whole country. And even though it feels free again and green shoots are emerging, we cannot forget what was done to us by Trudeau. Here's that awful moment where Alexa was shot. Where, 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 where? 
By the way, if you ever hear a mainstream media journalist ever complain about mean tweets or someone swearing at them, and I don't advocate swearing at journalists, but this is the level of complaint by the media party. If they talk about mean tweets, but do not mention how Alexa was shot by police or David Menzies was beat up by Trudeau's personal bodyguards and on and on and on, if they talk about their mean tweets without referencing our rebel news journalists who were actually attacked, you know they're wicked liars. Well, the uh, convoy wasn't the only story we covered in 2022. Once the flight ban on unvaxxed people was lifted, Rebel News journalists started to fly around the world because, of course, other countries had already dropped their vaccine restrictions. We sent three reporters, Alexa Lavoie, Tamara Ugolini, and, of course, Drea Humphrey, to Berlin to cover the World Health Summit. That was the first in-person meeting of all the public health tyrants. And we were there. Here's an excerpt from one of those videos. I think we were the only journalists from Canada in the place. Take a look. Mr. Tedros, how are you? How are you, Mr. Tedros? Tamara Ugolini here with Rebel News, and I am in Germany at the swanky Berlin Hotel in Central District, where the World Health Summit 2022 is taking place in partnership with the World Health Organization. I've just asked the Director General of the WHO, that's the controversially appointed bureaucrat Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, a question regarding the global lockdown policies his organization implemented at his direction. The risk of returning to lockdown remains very real if countries do not manage the transition. The only way I was able to bring you this report was by reserving one night at this posh hotel because our media accreditation was rejected by the World Health Summit controllers. And none of this trip, including this fancy one-night stay, would be possible without your generous donations to rebelwho.com. If you think that it is crucial to hold these bureaucrats to account for their failed and devastating policies, then head on over to that website and help offset our costs, again at rebelwho.com. Now, after arriving at the hotel, I was able to get a feel for the crowd after what looked like some sort of cozy setting of high tea and refreshments. I turned around and there was Tedros. Have a look at how that went. Okay, Mr. Way? Tedros, are how are you? How NCD? are you, Mr. Tedros? <laughs> if you could do lockdowns again, would you would you do them? If you could do lockdowns again, would you support them? I'm sorry. What, what Mr. Tedros, <laughs> if you could do lockdowns again, would you support them? That's what you get for unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats heading in there to the WHO conference, the World Health Summit. Tedros was nervously laughing behind his medical mask. As you can see, his handler quickly got in the way once she realized that I was skeptical of his failed lockdown mandates. He obviously had no idea how to respond. What do you think at home? Should these bureaucrats be held responsible for their failed policies that have resulted in grotesque harm of people all across the globe with looming economic devastation, loss of liberty and loss of freedom? And if no one is here to ask the hard questions, then how will the public ever know? Follow our reports as we try to show you how the top 1% wines and dines while you're told to shutter your business, stay home endlessly, all for the alleged greater good. For Rebel News, I'm Tamara Ugolini.
Great reporting there. You can see them all at WHOreports.com. That stands for World Health Organization Reports. You know, it's not just um, the lockdown. That it, It's not just a COVID lockdown. There's other strange things afoot, like climate lockdowns and a farming lockdown of sorts. It really uh, kicked off in the Netherlands, where the government suddenly decided they were going to eliminate up to a third of the country's farms because they were using too much nitrogen. I guess we had a war on carbon. Now there's a war on nitrogen. We sent rebel reporters over there to document what we called the farmer rebellion, which I'm afraid will likely come to Canada too, as Trudeau copies their anti-farmer agenda. So weird to me. You're against food. You're against energy. Sounds like you're against people. Here's an excerpt from our trip to the farmer rebellion. To increase prosperity and improve public health but also to build back better. If the demands from the farmers are not met, what do you think happens next? I think the farmers will explode. I'm afraid it will, will be a civil war. Civil war is going to start. Up to a civil war, I don't know. I think there's going to be farmers today or tomorrow, they go to their homes and they say, if you don't come there, we come to you. Well, I know the farmers a bit, and uh, if they draw a line in the sand, they draw a line in the sand. Well, I think uh, there's going to be a small civil war. I can imagine it's going to be uh, a lot of mayhem. Quick announcement from myself, head on over to farmerdocumentary.com where you can purchase tickets to watch our Rebel News new premiere titled The Border Dutch Farmer Rebellion, hosted by none other than Sheila Gunn-Reed and a Q&A session with myself, Lincoln Jay, who was with me in the Netherlands to cover the Farmer Rebellion, and Kian Simone, who is the writer and producer of this new premiere. So farmerdocumentary.com. Well, it wasn't all heavy material. There was strange and bizarre and humorous material too. Well, it's funny from our point of view, but imagine being a student in a classroom with a teacher who wears enormous prosthetic breasts. It's a man dressed up as a caricature of a, a caricature of a woman. Imagine being a young boy in that class. Imagine being a young girl in that class. What on earth? Well, our David Menzies has been reporting on this story at great length, and he even, for shock effect, dressed up like that teacher and went to the school board meeting just to show them how offensive it was. They escorted him out and banned him from the building. That's what they did to David dressed up that way, but they still allow that bizarre teacher to teach. Here's one of David's reports. I'd like to present a petition called Protect the Students. We've had over 16,000 signatures. It reads, the Halton District School Board and the Director of Education. A normal person in their right mind would dress up like that and go teach kids. Come on. Are you guys okay in your head? Oakville's becoming the mockery of the world. What's wrong with you guys? Come on. Stop this. Get this teacher out of here. You're seven-year-olds. You're four-year-olds. You're going to be okay with that? You're going to be comfortable when your granddaughters are sitting at a school and that's their teacher. Because David Menzies for Rebel News here in Toronto. And folks, in just a few hours, the next 
Halton District School Board trustee meeting is going to take place and I want to be there. I want to ask questions about that ongoing circus that's happening at Oakville Trafalgar High School, namely Busty Lemieux. His real name is Kerry Lemieux. He now goes by the name Kayla Lemieux. Uh, he breaks every shop rule in question and questions abound. Uh, is this legitimately a person transitioning? Or is this someone pulling a cosmic prank? Or is this someone suffering from mental illness? And if it's the latter, he needs treatment as soon as possible. Anyways, I can tell you that more than 16,000 of you have signed our petition, protect the students, protect the students. And they need protection because you can see his completely inappropriate attire um, that he wears to shop class. By the way, something, if it was a female student that was wearing this, uh, she would be disciplined or suspended. But believe it or not, folks, there is no dress code for the staff. In any event, I desperately want to go to the school board meeting, but just one hitch. Look what happened last month when I showed up. For five days, the Lemieux story... No, no, you're out of order. The, the Lemieux story was in the news cycle for five days, and it was misreported that Mr. Hanna was the same person, and you never corrected the record. You, Mr. Innes, he, him. You, Dr. Shuttleworth. Heather Francie, a communications director who doesn't communicate, not until Monday night, 10.18 p.m. to be precise, did you correct that. Why did you throw Mr. Hanna under the bus? Yeah, so you see, once again, I got the bums rush. I'm not even sure if they're going to let me in the building uh, or whether their security or even police uh, accomplices are going to keep them protected from impolite questions such as why did they allow Stephen Hanna, an innocent teacher, to be misidentified for several days before they corrected the record. So what to do? What to do? You know what? The saying goes, if you can't beat them, join them. And I'm a big Wonder Woman fan from the 70s. So let's do the Linda Carter thing and see if the menzoid can transition himself. Trustee Garrett's really emphasized that visitors and attendees are able to watch the duration of the meeting from the gallery. I'd like to present a petition called Protect the Students. We've had over 16,000 signatures. It reads, the Halton District School Board and the Director of Education, Curtis Innes, should be fired for allowing a female identifying job teacher to wear enormous fake breasts that are barely contained by see-through blouses while teaching. Who is going to take this petition? Who is going to take this petition? Well, we ended the year with a very dramatic mission to Moscow, Russia. We took great 
care to make sure our reporter was not arrested. We got into the country under the radar. We did not get a journalism visa. And we got out of the country. We slipped out of the country before we published our first video just so that there would be no police repercussions to us while we were under uh, Russian rule. Uh, I think our reports were very fair and they were eye-opening to me. For example, the fact that Starbucks and McDonald's are still operating with the same buildings, the same staff. They've just tweaked their name a little bit. It was interesting to see Russians on the street being willing to criticize the war and Putin on camera. I thought they would be too afraid to say that for fear of repercussions. Some of them were afraid for sure. And there was one close call we had with police. I thought this was just a simple story. Our reporter, Jeremy Lafredo, went to Moscow and he went to a grocery store and a gas station just to see if sanctions were having a bite. Take a look at what Jeremy saw. I'm Jeremy Lafredo for Rebel News in Moscow, Russia. We've been told that the Western sanctions against Russia are bringing the economy to its knees. Well, one marker of that is the price of food. Essential goods like cheese, milk, bread, and meat are all markers of how well the economy's doing. Well, I'm gonna go to a grocery store in Moscow and see if the shelves are bare and see if things are expensive or not. leveled against Russia by the U.S. and its allies are the harshest ever handed down. The Russians are dealing with some hefty international sanctions levied against the country. And their effects are being widely felt in Russia. After touching down in Moscow, the first thing I decided to do was get some food, but I wondered if that would be easy. The New York Times reported that the Western sanctions against Russia are leading to essential good scarcity. And the Washington Post went as far as saying that Russia is facing, quote, Soviet-era shortages. So I went to a grocery store here in Russia to get the whole story and some food, and to experience firsthand the reported scarcity and Soviet-style shortages. The grocery store I went to in Moscow was located inside of a shopping center. And to my surprise, the shopping center was filled with both regular consumer and luxury stores, all stocked. But this doesn't mean that the grocery store has food. These are separate types of goods from different places, and different sanctions affect different things. Upon walking in, I was surprised. It seemed like not only a normal grocery store, but it was absolutely full of food. Barilla pasta, which you can get at any grocery store in the States, was stacked so tall that I would need a ladder to reach the linguine. But I remained skeptical because surely the New York Times and the Washington Post wouldn't be lying. And of course, the seemingly full store could be a facade. There could only be one item in front of the shelf and nothing behind it, a classic move. Another question was, how expensive is everything? Russian stores could have food, but with inflation and shortages, items could be so expensive that no one can afford it. First, I went to the milk aisle. Kefir, 1%, 2%, 3%, and even 4% milk, yogurts, and fake dairy alternatives. They had a lot of options. I got a liter of regular milk. It was 89 rubles, or $1.41. Then I went for some bread. Nothing fancy, just a loaf of whole wheat. It was 60 rubles, or 95 cents. They also had an entire bakery making fresh baked goods. Then I made my way to the meat section. They had beef, chicken, turkey, pork, and even rabbit. I settled for a pound of ground beef, which was 175 rubles, or $2.78. I then decided to get some eggs. Strangely enough, the eggs were not kept refrigerated, but they did have dozens of choices. I got 10 eggs for 99 rubles, or $1.47. Then I decided to get some vegetables for my meat, a container of mushrooms for 79 rubles, or $1.25. And then I went to pay for everything, in rubles of course. The total for milk, eggs, beef, bread, and mushrooms was 499 rubles, or $7.92. 
Surprisingly, it seems the mainstream media is not being entirely truthful in regards to the effects sanctions are having on the prices of essential goods in Russia. Despite my experience, a few people I spoke to explained that the sanctions have had an effect on them in one way or another. This lady from a rural market outside of Moscow is selling produce. She explained that while most prices have stayed the same, the prices of some foods have actually skyrocketed. And this man, who sells cranberries at the market, spoke to me about the prices of berries. This young woman told me that the idea that Russian people are suffering from sanctions is simply not true. But the uncertainty of everything has made people more serious about financial planning and financial literacy. No, так что прям мы страдаем, голодаем, такого нет. Но просто мы ощущаем это давление, мы как бы начали по-другому чуть-чуть рассчитывать финансы, планировать. Поняли, что нужна финансовая грамотность, что нужно как-то смотреть. Но планировать сложно. Все сейчас планировать сложно. Another essential good pretty much all people use is gasoline. The prices of gasoline in the U.S. have skyrocketed since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The U.S. refuses to buy oil from what they call a belligerent regime. But these policies actually fell hardest on the American people, since they're the ones paying more at the pump. So I went to a gas station in Russia. Gas was about 47 rubles per liter. Converted to U.S. metrics, that's about $2.75 per gallon. I spoke to a man from Moscow who drives for a living. В течение года, думаю, разница невелика. Она от 45 рублей до 48 максимум. То есть пробовали двух, там, одного рубля разница. То есть бывает и меняется. Ну, не скажем, что часто, но раз три-четыре дня он так копейками, но бывает, то поднимается, то понижается. For Rebel News in Moscow, Russia, I'm Jeremy Lafredo. I thought that was interesting. You can see all of his reports at RussianReports.com. Well, there you have it. My nine representative clips of the year that was. Well, we're into 2023, and I hope it's a year of peace and freedom and prosperity for all of us, a year of independent journalism, of citizen journalism, and hopefully this country will not regress into the, into the well, it truly was authoritarianism of Justin Trudeau. I hope one day we will all be free. And you know we'll be fighting for freedom every day, as we always do. On behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, you, know, you heard me. You got to keep fighting for freedom, my friends. Good night. <laughs>